Better together. Let's all say it together. Better together. together. It's a wonderful time. We're uh, digging into the book of Ephesians. And uh, I want you to read, in fact, let's bring it up on the screen, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. This is our theme verse. And I want us all to read it. We got it? Yeah, it's there. And so uh, you can keep your Bible open because we're going to look at it. But uh, you can read this together. And uh, at the count of three, let's all read it. Even you who are watching at home, let's read it together. One, two, three. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Hallelujah. That's our, that's our desire, and that's what we're believing for the Lord to do is really uh, build his people together. Everybody say together. together. We're better together. Now, I want you to turn back to Ephesians chapter 1. This is our text for today. Ephesians chapter 1, and look with me at verse 15. Now I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. It says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, in your love for the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling, the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he placed in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's ask for that spirit of wisdom and revelation. And you say, I don't know what that is. I'll explain it to you. But let's ask the Lord to give us wisdom and revelation even as we open his word today. Mighty God, I just thank you for your word. And I just pray, Jesus, even in agreement with the Apostle Paul and your word, Lord, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Give us eyes to see, a heart to perceive what your spirit is speaking today. And God, even as it said, we just read, you have authority over every power, over every principality and dominion, Lord, on the earth and things in heaven. And God, I just ask that you would release your grace and your authority, Lord, as we receive your word bind in silence the works of the enemy and give us liberty in receiving your word today in Jesus name I pray and everybody say amen Amen. you may be seated it's a wonderful wonderful passage in fact this is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible 
And so uh, I, I really had to be intentional because I could say a lot about this, but I, I know uh, when my kids tell me, Daddy, you preach too long, uh, I, I'll take that as a hint, okay? So uh, I'm going to try and honor your time and, uh, and, and our patience, but uh, this, is, this is an amazing passage. Now, I, I want you to keep something in mind. Everything that we've been doing here in the book of Ephesians, uh, we call our series Better Together. And the whole first section of the book, you'll notice, uh, in fact, we've got our, our little graphic there, and you'll see three stick figures, right? One of them is sitting down, and, and we're talking about being seated with Christ in heavenly places. And then the second one is this uh, walking character, and we're going to talk uh, in the coming passages about how we are to walk in the world and how we are to be a witness in, in a, evangelism everybody say evangelism I spent years as an evangelist I love evangelism we're going to do some of that pastor that's scary I don't want to do that we're going to do it we'll do it together hallelujah and uh, we're going to come up there's a lot of different ways we can evangelize and we'll explore those and then I love the last one is stand now we're going to talk a little bit about that even this morning. It's this idea not just of standing around. Well, I did my duties. Now I can just stand around and hang around the church. No. It's this idea of withstanding the wiles of the enemy, as Ephesians says, uh, withstanding in the evil day, standing strong when there's evil and wickedness. And uh, i just tell you, my mentality in spiritual warfare, hear me on this church, we're not going to be a people in this last day that just hold the fort. Let's just, let's bide our time until Jesus comes back because things are getting worse out there and all oh, the world is going downhill and, and maybe that's the Antichrist and oh, this is the precursor for the mark of the beast. Man, I believe all that stuff is coming. But this is not the time for the church of Jesus Christ to shrink back. You know what? Let's just uh, let's go and huddle in the woods somewhere where nobody can see. No. This is the time for the greatest revival, for the greatest move of the Holy Spirit in human history. And I can show you this in Scripture. In fact, that's what we're going to be moving towards. But when we withstand, it's not a defensive posture that we take against the enemy. In fact, you'll notice... This is not in my notes, but I just get excited about spiritual warfare, man. You'll notice that none of the armor of God is protecting our rear. You want to know why? Because the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. We're never retreating. We're never running away. We are advancing in the kingdom of God. We're always moving forward. In fact, if you remember what Jesus said, He said, I will build my church in the gates of of hell will not prevail against it or withstand against it. Think about this. Have you ever seen anybody attack with a gate? Think about this. We hear that verse. You've heard it quoted many, many times. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Have you ever seen anybody attack with a gate? No, you haven't. That tells me that when the church of Jesus Christ is operating as the Lord intends for it to, the kingdom is advancing and darkness is on the defense. They're the ones. The devil is the one putting up gates and fences and walls trying to keep us out and hold us back. But I've got good news for you, church. There is warfare. But the church of Jesus Christ prevails. We 
We win this thing, man. And so uh, we're going to forcefully advance. So when we talk about standing, I want you to understand, we're not just like hold the fort, hold the ground, stand, uh, you know, let's just hang out and do our Jesus thing. No, no, we're going to push back darkness. Even when the enemy comes, no, we're going we're gonna to forcefully advance the kingdom. We're going we're gonna to war against this thing, and we're going to win. Hallelujah. So I want to take this verse by verse this morning. If you, I just encourage you to stay open there to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And, uh, and, and we're just going to take this. Now, I do have three main points for you, but, uh, but I'm going to give you some nuggets out of each of these verses. In verse 15, it says, Therefore, I heard, your faith, uh, heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, here's a, here's a cool idea. The Apostle Paul is praying for you. I just want you to think about that for a minute. What we're about to study right now in this letter, he knew that we would be reading this one day, and the Apostle Paul is praying for you, and he's praying for me. I'm going to come in agreement with the prayers of the Apostle Paul and what the Word of God declares. You know, and I, and I need to just... I, I, this is all, we're all within the seated position. So as we go through some of these promises, you might wonder, well, what do I have to do with that? How do I know Paul's praying for me? As you are seated in Christ, this is what we've gone over for the last three weeks. As you are in Christ, you are the recipient of an inheritance. You are, the, you are literally positioned in Christ Jesus. So when he has authority, you have authority. When he makes declarations, those are declarations for you to, to receive and to live by. On and on and on, all of the promises that we see within Scripture. If you're in Christ Jesus, that is your right, and it is your inheritance. That's a big deal. Now, verse 17, it says this, And the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. He prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Everybody say, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is big. I'm going to give you a, a, a key to my growth and my relationship with the Lord. There's three verses in the Bible that I pray every single day when I'm, when I'm in my quiet time with the Lord, and this is one of them right here. Jesus I pray, God, you would give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I begin to go through the promises that are here. This is what I want to encourage because I'm going to share some things. Now, some of this, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I'm already aware of that. That's a good reminder. But there might be a point or two in this. I'm just going to warn you where it's like, Pastor, that seems a little extreme. I don't know about that. Okay? I'm just going to give you that. But here's what I encourage you to do with everything that I preach today. Pray about it. Because that's what the Apostle Paul does. He says, I pray for you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he begins to list various items that he says, this is part of what I'm praying for you to receive. And so I'm going to encourage you the very same way Paul prayed about it. I'm going to encourage you to pray about it, okay? You don't have to take my word at face value, but I think it'll bless you. Now, when we talk about the spirit of wisdom, wisdom is dealing with the practical. 
It's dealing with day to day. You know, God gave me a, just a, a, you know, this is just a good idea. He gives us wisdom to do certain things. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So every one of us ought to pray every day, God, give me wisdom. How I many of you know we need wisdom just to live this life? I need wisdom in work. I need wisdom in parenting. I need wisdom in my marriage. In the spirit of revelation, now this is the one we as Pentecostals might get more excited about. This is God opening our eyes and our mind to spiritual matters. And, and he actually lists them. He talks in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Now, this is very interesting. Did you know, one of these days I'm going to preach a message, uh, you know, about all of the ideas that other religions have stolen from Christianity. It's like we talk about karma. No, the Bible had that idea from the time of Genesis. It's called sowing and reaping. People talk about meditation like it's some new age or it's some Buddhist thing. No, the psalmist was talking about meditation long before anybody else did but there's also this idea we show you a lot of these new age guys and uh, even the hindus they're putting dots on their head and they're praying open my third eye and all this kind of stuff that's not a hindu idea that's a god idea he says pray that i would open the eyes of your understanding that word understanding literally means your soul your mind or your, I wrote it down. Your soul, your mind, or your heart. You guys remember? We used to sing a song. I'm not going to try and sing it. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Right? Don't laugh at me. That's why I don't sing, because you laugh at me when I try. You guys remember that song? That's where this is coming from. And we, 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 we have this idea where it's like God... I thank you for wisdom, and I pray for wisdom. Give me the spirit of wisdom. But I also need revelation, because I can't do anything without revelation that God would actually affect my mind, and he would, he would ingrain it in my heart, and he would give me spiritual eyes to see. In fact, Dr. Morocco, I'll never forget when he prayed for me at my bestowal, when I was received as a pastor within King's Cathedral and chapels, he prayed, and he prophesied. He's like, Jacob, you will see with your natural eyes what you see with your spirit you will see with your eyes what you see with your spirit that is a true spiritual principle this is why we need the spirit of revelation to begin to operate not just a good idea not just wisdom you know we need that but we need God revelation. Lord, show me what this is supposed to look like. Show me what my job is supposed to look like. Show me the potential in the calling upon my children. Lord, show me the treasure that I have in my wife. Lord, show me where you're taking this church. Show us what this coming revival is going to look like. Show us what the signs of the time are so I don't miss the hour of your appearing. On and on and on. This is why I pray for this every single day. Because I need wisdom to do what God is asking us to do. But we need revelation to see from God's perspective. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my mind. Show me things that you desire for me to see. You understand it's different when something gets in your heart. Like I can understand and I can present a theology about healing. Yes, the Bible says that. 
Yes, God is able to do that. But it's a very different thing when I have revelation that is in my heart. When God gives me a personal vision for what healing looks like today. It's a, you'll pray different. You'll operate differently. It's like I've got a theology for the dead being raised. I believe that God does that kind of thing. I read Reinhard Bonnke's book about how they, I mean, they've seen resurrections within the last decades. God still does that kind of thing. I have a knowledge. But I cannot say with confidence that that is a revelation that has gripped my heart. I still get nervous. I've tried a couple times. I get nervous when I pray for dead people to be raised up. Yes, you heard me right. I have tried a couple times. Um, because here's the deal. You're never going to see the dead raised if you never pray for some dead people. You got to start somewhere. So I've tried twice, prayerfully the third time. So if uh, you ever die, I'll come pray for you. Hallelujah. And uh, I, met a, I met a lady, I met a young girl who'd been raised from the dead. My first semester in Bible school, uh, in fact, we were there just a couple weeks ago. We drove right on the corner. This girl had left out of a prayer meeting. And she was crossing the street, and a, and a car drives by, hits her, and she's pronounced dead on the spot. Now, prayer meeting is still going on, so they call for the prayer uh, leader and all of these workers to come out, and they, they just begin to form a circle around. Now, the ambulance is there and all of this, but they just they ask, can we pray for her before you take her? And they, they said, yeah, that's fine. So they gather around, and uh, boy, the guy, his name is Guy Pei. He's a great evangelist. He's the one who taught me how to pray. He gathers around, and uh, we all gather. No, I wasn't there. They gather around, and they pray for this young girl. And within moments, her pulse comes back. And within, within just a few minutes, she is completely raised from the dead. It's amazing. I met that girl. Now, she came back as a guest because her parents, who were unbelievers, were so offended by the whole ordeal, they actually withdrew her from school and sued the school. Hallelujah. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, we didn't have to pray for her, I guess, if that would have been better. But, uh, but anyway, she came back as a guest. I got to meet this girl in a prayer meeting who had been raised from the dead. God still does that kind of stuff. Now, even though I've seen that and I believe that, boy, how many know it's a different deal when you are called on to pray for a dead person? Okay, have you ever tried that? Well, maybe God will give you the opportunity to. So, so we pray. We pray. Lord, I, I need the knowledge. I need the wisdom. I need to have the theology and the understanding of how this actually works. I need to know that you've got the authority to do That's all wisdom. But I need the revelation to come into my heart that you are able to do this even today, right now. And so let me show you. There's three things that the Bible says comes when the spirit of wisdom and revelation is upon our lives. Three things beginning in verse 18. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, confidence in the call of God. This is the first thing that's going to come. You're going to have confidence in the call of God. Verse 18 says that you may know what is the hope of his calling. He prays the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my mind so that I can know the hope of your calling. Back to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17 is a powerful verse. It says, do not be foolish. Know the will of God. Another translation, it literally takes that. That word foolish is a strong word. could literally be translated, do not be stupid. Know the will of God. Know the, it is dumb 
for us to be confused and lost. I don't know what God wants me to do. That's not what God desires for any of us. We ought to have a confidence in the call of God. In fact, it was the, on the premise of those two verses that I wrote my book, God's Will. You can get it on Amazon. I, I think I've only got one here right now. But uh, that's why we pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The way that this is going to work, I'm just telling we, you, you can have a good idea. But I need to know that it's a God idea. And you, you pause there for the wisdom. Now, some, some of you come up with dumb ideas, and it's a good thing that it doesn't work out. You need, to, you need to ask yourself, first of all, is this a good idea? Right? You just ask yourself, is it a good idea for me to incur this debt for something that, you know, for my pyramid scheme? Probably not. You know? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not going to try and pick on anything, but... There's certain ideas that are just, that's not a smart idea. The Bible says in Proverbs, there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. Bounce that idea off of some people and find out, does this sound like a good idea? That's wisdom, okay? But revelation is when God begins to speak to you, yeah, this is my idea. This isn't just a good idea. This isn't just wisdom. No, this is a God idea. This building that we're in is an example of that. We begin to pray, we begin to seek the Lord, and uh, God, this seems, like a, this seems like a good opportunity. I mean, real estate prices are down, so now's a good time to get in. It's a prime location. There's a lot of practical reasons that this location seemed to be like a good one. But then, God starts setting up divine appointments with Dr. Morocco and the owner of the land. God gave me a dream that revealed clearly the owner of the building. I mean, he gave me a dream and told me, go to this place and you're going to find the owner of this building. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. God lined out for us to be able to, you know, get the financing on all of that, which is very difficult. People aren't giving out loans in this time, you understand. But God opened the door, a right relationship with a church planting organization that says, we'll partner with you on that idea. And so God began. That's where we went beyond the realm of just this is a good idea. This is a wise idea into the realm of revelation. This is a God idea. God is confirming this. God is blessing this. And I encourage you. There's a reason I pray this every single day. You ought to begin to pray, Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and give me the spirit of revelation that I would know the will of God. Show me right ideas and wise ideas. But if it's not you, God, shut the door. God, if this is you, give me confirmations along the way. Set up right relationships. Set up the money that I need. Set up the, you know, give me a dream, Lord. Give me your vision in your heart. One of the great ways that God will speak to you, and then I'm going to move on, is through desire. Does God birth in you just a, a, a passion a yearning to do what it is that's in you. And, and sometimes it's okay to just, I, I'm just going to wait on the Lord for a little bit on this. Give it a couple weeks. Sleep on it for 24 hours sometimes. Sometimes we get so excited about some idea. Yeah, I'm going to go buy that car right now. Right? And you just think, well, but, but, you know, their finance office said that it was okay, so it must be God. You know, go take a nap, friend. Like, Really, go, go rest on this thing and meditate for a little bit and then, and then contemplate, does that still seem like a good idea the next day? And if that thing is still in your heart, if God is, you know, if God is confirming that and He's blessing it, then man, go for it. But you'll find a lot of times if you just, 
if you just get patient, you walk away from something for a little bit, a lot of times you'll find that your heart may shift on things, and that's a good thing. Wisdom's important, but we need to know the will of God. Amen? Now, here's, here's number two. Now, this might offend some of you. That's okay. Because the Bible says it. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and here's part of what God will give us. Number two is abundant wealth. Abundant wealth. Now, I want you to see this. I'm not, I'm not just making something up here. I want to show you. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, that phrase, riches of glory, it can literally be translated glorious wealth for the saints. Infinite wealth for the saints. How many of you are saints of the Most High God? Okay. I am, and I'm going to put my, both my hands up for this one. Now, you know, Pastor, what are you talking about? Infinite wealth, glorious wealth, abundance. That's what this passage is talking about. And I just want you to know, just if you don't know this about me, you know, people will send me, like, clips of, like, you know, the cool preacher with the skinny jeans and, uh, you know, all that kind of. I don't listen to much of that stuff. I'll just be very honest with you. I like, I prefer to listen to guys who are dead. Because I know they ended well. And there's a reason. I, I mean, I, I talked to my wife about this. And uh, it's like, where, where are the modern day revivalists? You, you notice the great moves of God we read about? They're all dead people. And I'm trying to position. This is why I'm digging in. How did Jonathan Edwards pray and how did he preach? How did George Whitfield pray and how did he preach? How did Evan Roberts pray and how did he preach? What was so unique about Smith Wigglesworth and this guy? What was so unique about Leonard Ravenhill? I dig into my spiritual father, Steve Hill. What, what, what went into the making of that man of God? I, I study the life of Catherine Kuhlman and watch those old black and white clips with the, with the terrible audio quality. I want to live. Why? Because those guys had signs and wonders and miracles and they transformed nations and cities. And uh, guys, I don't care if you got 60,000 Instagram followers. Tell me about the miracles that follow your life. Tell me about the nation that was transformed. Tell me about the mighty move of God. Now, I'm not opposed. I mean, I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube. And I, and I love that we can get the message out that way. But that, to me, does not determine influence. You want to know what an influencer is? Is somebody you look at their life a hundred years later, two hundred years later, and still their testimony, their name carries weight. That man, that woman did something for the Lord that is still evident today. We still feel the effects of what individuals like William Seymour did in 1906 in the Azusa Street Revival. We still feel and receive of that today. So those are the guys. So why do I bring that up? This translation of glorious wealth, abundant wealth, infinite wealth, abundance, came from a guy named John Gill from the 1700s. This is not some modern day prosperity preacher that I'm pulling this, teacher, this, this teaching from. This is a guy from the 1700s who was a language expert, and he dug into the original language of this. So this is not some you know, modern twist on, on this passage. The Lord has an inheritance 
for every single one of us who are called saints of the Most High God. If you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, you have access to all the resource of heaven, abundant wealth, infinite wealth, glorious prosperity. It's a big deal. You say, Pastor, are you a prosperity preacher? I like Jonathan uh, Shuttlesworth. Somebody asked him that question recently. You guys like Jonathan Shuttlesworth? No, he's a guy who's still alive that I like to listen to. Uh, But somebody asked him, he's like, uh, Jonathan, are you one of those prosperity preachers? And his response is, well, I'm not a poverty preacher. I mean, what do, you, what do you want to be? I mean, I did, even in the 1700s, I mean, it was the common mentality. If you're going to love the Lord, you got you to gotta be poor. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. In fact, I, I believe that God wants to bless his people. Yesterday, have you ever gone into Walmart like on payday? It's weird. It's very different than if you go in there like one of the last days of the month. You want to know why? Because it's the difference of people that got money in their bank account. And it's like, if you go like on the 28th or something like that, it's like three days before their next payday, everybody's broke, they got, oh, I got to make it three, four more days, and then we get paid again. Go to Walmart at that time, okay, because nobody's got money. So I just got paid, right? And so I, I took my kids fishing yesterday, and, um, and I got money in the bank, hallelujah. And so, you know, my kids ask me, now, Daddy, can I get, can I get this Fishing pole, because it's got all this cool stuff with it. It's got the bobbers and these hooks and these cool lures and, uh, and all this kind of thing. And I'm looking at it. It's $4 more. It's like $20 or $24. But I just got paid. You, you buy whatever you want, Gabriel. You just go for it, man. You know, there's this, this confidence that comes when you got, you got money in the bank. But, but, but let me just take it to a whole different realm. You can read in Dr. Morocco's book, Miracle on Maui, and he tells the story again in um, the Multiplying Church about, I, I believe it was the deal over the skating rink. And he was going because the church had grown so rapidly they had to acquire a stadium. And uh, so he's meeting with the guy who's selling this property. And the words leave his mouth. He's, now, now, keep in mind, the church was terribly broke at the time, Okay. They didn't have one dime in the bank account. I mean, he'll tell stories about how they sold Christmas trees just to keep their staff paid, okay? I mean, just the church was broke. But here he is looking at this multi-million dollar building and having a conversation with the present owner, and he tells them, money is no object. He hasn't got any. Money is no object. And I remember, so I remembered that story when we were actually here on this property. We found out who the owner was, and we found out that he was actually here. He doesn't live here, but uh, the original or the owner of this building, he didn't live here, but he happened to be in town one of the times that we came over. And so as we're walking back, uh, we, we met him right outside. He was doing some work in the building, and they begin to, they ask us, what's your offer? And now, I'm here. Now, they don't realize that we've got a board, and I'm not the end-all, say-all. You know, I'm the lead pastor of this location, but I've got a boss. Hallelujah. And uh, so I don't have any real authority, but you know what? When I'm talking to the realtor, when I'm talking to the owner, I'm walking around and talking to these guys like I am worth millions. I really do. And I think that's okay. You want to know why? 
I have access to infinite wealth in Christ Jesus. Some of us have settled for far below what God intends for us to have because we just think, well, that's out of my price range. Price range. I, I just don't have the capital. I don't have the ability to do this. Now, I'm not telling you go get in scary debt and make bad decisions. I want you to hear me on that. But when God gives you revelation, this is my idea, you better obey, even if it looks impossible by the bank statement. You begin to trust the Lord, and he's going to begin to move you. He's going to begin to move us into this realm of abundant wealth. That's where I want to live my life, friend. I don't want to be hindered. In fact, I, I, I'm moved by a dream that Dr. Morocco had. And I'm learning from, from a challenge that came to his heart. He said there was a, he had this dream where he was standing before God on judgment day. And the Lord asked him, why didn't you do more? Why didn't you plant more churches? Why didn't you start? Why didn't you do more? And, and his response in that moment, now this is when he was young. He was very early in his ministry. But he says, God, I didn't have the money to do that. And God looked at him and said, son, if you only would have asked me, I would have given you everything that, you would have, everything that I put in your heart. And it was around that time that Dr. Morocco approached the staff. Now, this was in the 80s. And he kind of took this mentality, let's buy all the property that we can. You know what's been amazing through this pandemic? Churches, especially in our state, have all been shut down because most churches operate in movie theaters, they operate in school buildings, and all of that stuff has been completely shut down. But because God put it in the heart of our senior pastor in the 80s, buy everything that you can, they can't shut down our private properties. We still, we've still been having church on Oahu, all across these islands, on the big island, and, and on Maui, and all, every island, Lahai, uh, uh, Lanai and uh, Kauai. All of our churches have remained open because we own buildings. God get, that was a God revelation. And I thank God that we had a pastor, we had, a board, we had board members, we had congregations that were willing to say, if that's God's vision, then we're going to run with it. Church, that's what God's asking us. That's what he's calling us to as individuals and as a church. He's calling us to abundant wealth. We need to know who we're seated in and what we have access to. Hallelujah. Well, oh my goodness, I got one more point. And I can get through it. Number three, overcoming power. This is what it is to, to have a... The spirit of wisdom and revelation. God's going to speak to us about being confident in the call that's on our life. He's going to speak to us about the abundant wealth, the riches that are available to the saints of God. And he's going to speak to us, third of all, about overcoming power. Now, I've worded that very specifically, and you'll see why. It says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? He's praying that we would have the wisdom and revelation that we would have eyes to see the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Now this is very important. I want you to pay attention because the words here and even the way I phrased my point is very particular. Because this is power. You know, you, you need to understand when God moves in power, it would do us well to understand for what purpose or, or why? 
Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the Bible says that even the gifts of the Spirit and that power that operates, the power to heal, the power to cast out devils, the power to prophesy, those are all gifts, according to Acts 1.8, the power to be a witness. This is not that. What he's praying that we would have wisdom and revelation is the power towards those who believe. It's not power through us. It's not power for witnessing. No, it's power to us. And I know this because in the very next verse it goes on to say, according to the power, according to the working of his mighty power, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. It's that same power that God desires to work in you. Not just through you, but in in you. It is for you. God has overcoming power that he wants to release in you. It is for you. So when you're like Jesus, think about what he was enduring and what he overcame. He's in the garden and he's crying out, Father, if there's another way, right? The devil is breathing down his neck, harassing him, giving him a way out. No, you don't need to go to the cross and suffer. But that overcoming power moves in him. The Bible even talks about how angels came and strengthened him in that moment. God placed people around him who would walk with him. There was overcoming power that was operating in him. Think about the betrayal of Judas. Now his friend and his disciple, the kiss of betrayal. Yet he sustains, he, he walks because the power of God is operating in him. Think about him on the cross, people mocking him. Well, if you're truly the Son of God, bring yourself down off of the cross. But he's there. He knew he could call on legions of angels and he could be delivered in a moment. But there was overcoming power that was operating on the end. He had a mission to accomplish. He dies. Some thought, the devil thought, They had a victory, but here he is dead. In the entire time, he is overcoming. The Bible says death and hell and the grave. Jesus overcame all of those things. And the Bible here is saying that the very same power that operated in overcoming capacity in Jesus Christ is to operate in you and me if we would receive it. We need to pray, well, pastor, that seems like a big deal. It is. And that's why we pray every single day, God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, I've got, boy, I've got some really good stuff, but I just don't have time to go through all of this. What I want to show you, though, in verse 21, it says, Above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named, not only of this age, but that which is to come. I want you to understand that when it says Jesus is seated at the right hand in heavenly places, that heavenly authority that Jesus walks in is not just for when we get to heaven. That is a position and that is an authority that is over principality and power, might and dominion, and everything that is named in this age and that which is to come. That means... Those are all powers that exist right here on the earth. We have a task to accomplish, church. Minister Ryland, you could come. I'm, I'm closing with this. 
you understand? I'm going to mess with some of your theology, maybe. Do you know that God is not currently reigning everywhere on the earth? There are many passages in Scripture, in fact, five times Jesus himself called Satan the prince and the power of the air. You'll read in the book of Ephesians about how the devil is authority. He has power in high places. Even in Revelation, it talks about how the throne of Satan, it's not in hell. You know that Satan doesn't rule in hell? Satan is going to be punished in hell. Satan is going to be imprisoned in hell. He's going to be tormented for all eternity. That's the purpose of hell. Not a place for Satan to reign and torture lost souls. No, it is a place of punishment for Satan. Satan right now, Revelation says that his throne is on the earth. Now here's what's very wild about that. Because we're instructed by Jesus to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you and I have been given an authority. We understand there's, there's demonic powers that reign over certain areas. But we've also been given the mandate to extend the kingdom of God into those areas. Can I teach you two theology words? I talked about baptism earlier. Did you know that the word evangelist, before it was a spiritual term, was actually a, a kingdom term? It was the idea of a king who came into a nation. And the king conquered the capital, right? Pick a nation. Right, let's just say it happened in the United States. You have a king who comes in and he, he takes over. Now he's, he's conquered Washington, D.C. We've got a new king. But you imagine in the days before mass communication and all of this, how is it that all of the states and all of the, all of the smaller cities are actually going to find out? What they would do is they would send out evangelists. And the evangelist would go. And they would be the first point of contact. They would come into a city like Kona and say, Listen, uh, you may not have heard, but we've got a new king over the nation. And I'm here as an ambassador. You need to submit to his authority. He's your king too. And so they would come in. Now, sometimes, of course, you, you just think through history. Sometimes they would yield to that. Okay, hail the king. But there were other times where, no, I'm not, I'm not going with that. I'm loyal to the, I'm loyal to the other king. And, and sometimes there was warfare. It's the exact same way that the kingdom of God extends today. Satan has been defeated from the time of the cross. Yet he still has these little kingdom powers and these little kingdoms of darkness, these little strongholds and these little, little, little areas that he's, he's trying to exert his authority. And until the church of Jesus Christ steps up and says, I'm a kingdom ambassador. And every power that's here has been overthrown. Satan, you need to come down in the kingdom of God. Now that doesn't mean that he's going to give up without a fight. No, there may be warfare. There's going to be some serious battles that you and I need to fight. But as we assert our authority in Christ Jesus, we demonstrate the power of God and then we stand our ground. No, this belongs to the Lord now. We've done this in every room in, on this property. I can't speak for all of Kona. We're praying, God, tear down strongholds. Lord, give us our city. Give us our island. But I know we bought this property. 
I don't care what kind of weird voodoo used to go on in whatever room. No, we go in and we splatter the walls with oil and we write scriptures on the walls. I mean, really, you go look around this building, you'll see my handprint oil all over, you know, all over the place if you look careful. Why? I'm asserting my authority. Yeah, there used to be funky stuff that went on in this mall in various places in this, but, but we've got a new owner. And whatever glory the kingdom of darkness used to have, those days are over. Now the kingdom of God is resting upon this property. There's going to be people oppressed by the devil, bound in addiction. They just come wandering onto this property. All of a sudden they're met by the Spirit of God. Because this is kingdom realm right here. This is the kingdom of God. There's warfare around this. Boy, there's so much that I could say. I want you to stand all across this room. I want to pray for you. We need to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know, in regards to this last point, I'm really praying that the Lord would show you. The devil will very often, he'll try and operate illegally in your life. Satan will try and operate illegally in your life. And, and you're going to live your life just thinking, man, I'm, I'm bipolar just because that's in my genes. Uh, that's just something that I got. Yeah, my whole family's been depressed, and so I guess that's just my burden to bear. No. You've been given a new mind in Christ Jesus. You're not what, you're, what you were. Your bloodline has been cleansed as the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. All things have become new. You have the ability to take every thought captive. You have the, you have the authority to, to, to not allow the enemy to speak into your heart and your mind. And you can hear the still, small voice of the Holy Ghost. We need to have an awareness. Because the devil's going to say, no, this is your burden to bear. But you need to know, I have authority because I am in Christ Jesus. Satan, you've got to go. You resist him, and then you stand your ground. God wants to do that for some of you today. We just need our eyes to be open. We need our eyes to be open. Can I give you one story? I'm gonna I'm gonna pray, but I need to I need to inject some faith in you here. There was a time my wife and I, we went to, to Haiti a few years in a row. And I'll never forget, I went to sleep. Now, this is probably three years after we went to Haiti. And we'd had some challenges, man, especially in our finances. It was just like something was eating it up. And we were tithing. We were being obedient. But it's like, man, stuff is just not going right. Our, our son would have night terrors and this junk would come upon him and it's just like funky stuff going on in our house and I remember I I had a dream and in the dream one of the Haitians that was with us on that trip I remember he was he was in the room and one of the members of my family I won't say who but he was there and he was like tattooing their skin in this dream and immediately it was like he was he was like crouching and like while they were sleeping, he was crouching behind the bed and marking their skin. And I'm like, I remember being furious in the dream and just get out of here. And I woke up and I and I remember in that moment I just felt uneasy. I felt like 
no, no, this is not right. There's something here, and now God has exposed it. I remember we, I gathered my family. We went, we went to another pastor and shared. I mean, I, my life's an open book, man. I don't, I don't, nothing's going to stay in secret. Nothing's going to remain. Now, we hadn't sinned, but, but this is what I learned. In our time in Haiti, we'd cast out some devils. And there's a good chance that somebody may have spoken a curse over us or something might have attached and it came back. And we were just unaware. But I took authority over that thing. We had another pastor pray with us. And, you know, the craziest stuff started happening. Doors for ministry started blowing open like crazy. Finances began flowing into our life. In fact, my book came right after that. I wrote a book on spiritual warfare. Somebody had given us $10,000 because they wanted to see uh, my book and my work published. That came right after that prayer time. And I realized this devil had been following us around. I didn't even see it. But as soon as I recognized that it was there, no, we took authority. You do not have right. You don't have place or authority. Get out of here. Some of you right now, you don't even realize the reason you're getting sick the way that you are. The reason you're tormented in your mind or in your sleep. The the, the reason that your finances seem to be consumed. And man, I'm doing everything right. I'm tithing. What in the world is going on? We need to pray. For the spirit of revelation, God, open my eyes to see. Is there more going on here than what I recognize right now? And then we begin to assert our authority. Jesus, I am seated in you. There's not a principality, a power. There's not a demon. There's not Satan himself that can affect me when I'm seated in you, Christ Jesus. This is what I want you to do. I want you to, we're going to pray that God would open our Open our eyes, open our spiritual eyes, open our mind to see what it is that we want. I want you to take your hand and and just put it right on your head. Lord, I'm asking that right now, all across this room, that you would give us, according to your word, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open our eyes to see beyond the natural mighty God. Open our eyes to see what's going on in the spirit realm, O Lord. Give us eyes to see. God is is the enemy afflicting us and we are unaware. We're blind. We haven't even seen it. I pray, Jesus, that you would expose the works of the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. Expose works of darkness. Expose infirmity. Expose the devourer. Expose curses that have been spoken. Jesus, right now, I plead the blood of Jesus. I apply the blood of Jesus to your sons and daughters all across this room. Lord, I ask that your blood would come, that you would cleanse, that you would work, that you would cover, that you would protect us, mighty God, and that you would destroy the works of the devil according to your mighty word. Lord, would you touch us? Lord, would you liberate us? Lord, would you set us free all across this room? Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes. And God, I pray the other points in this Let us be sensitive to your call, the assignment on your life. Let us walk with an awareness, Lord, that we are recipients of everything that you operated in Jesus. Oh, mighty God, abundance, wealth, it is ours in you, Christ Jesus. Let us live our lives that way, oh Lord. Oh, mighty God, I bless your sons and daughters. I ask you, Lord, every day, give us your Holy Spirit. Fill us, mighty God, oh, by your power.
Oh, by your power, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Where this is really going to bring transformation in your life, friend, is when you begin praying it every day. That's what I do. I pray every morning. God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I believe as you begin to take that prayer every single day, God's going to do according to his word. He's going to give you strength. Power to overcome. 